This is Podcast for Columbus. Recording from Columbus, Ohio, home of the hardest working team. Coda Stewart, Cameron McKay, and Todd Fichtenberg are talking all things soccer. Columbus Crew, International, Premier League, and everything in between. Welcome to our conversation. Welcome to Podcast for Columbus, recording live here on March 8th, 2020 from the Crew Cavern here in North Columbus. I'm Todd Fichtenberg at Toddick33. Um, Coda Stewart's not here today, so if you're waiting to hear from him, just go ahead and tone out, um, turn us off, or listen to the Spanish podcast. Um, but we have a special guest again today, Cam McKay at Cam McKay97. He decided to join Twitter again, so good for you. I mean, your mental health is probably going down the tubes at this point, but... Uh, so how's it going, Bob? Hey, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, if you came for Dakota, you should probably click off now, but hopefully I can, you know, maybe be like a fifth of what he is. But if you came for the Glen Tennis Show, you're in the right place. Um, don't forget to use the hashtag AskP4C. Um, you can go to anchor.fm slash podcast for Columbus for all of our listening links, including Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Um, we're on all the places. All right. Let's go ahead and get right into it. So this is a segment where we review the most recent match. Um, in this case, we have two matches since we recorded. Um, the one that's most fresh in most of your minds would be the Seattle match, but we'll start with the NYCFC match from last week, the home opener. Um, that was on March 1st, which was, by the way, awesome kickoff at 1230. Sun was out. It did not feel super cold. Um, but I'll be honest, I didn't watch much of the Seattle match because of the time and daylight savings and wedding planning and church and all that good stuff. Uh, but I did watch the key match point. But the lineups were, crew with Zara's up top, um, Mokhtar, Lucas, and Santos. Attacking midfielders, Arthur Nagby in the midfield, Milton, Wormhor, Mensa, and Awful in the back, and Room in goal. Um, any surprises in that opening lineup? I was a little surprised to see Eunice uh, Mokhtar. Um off the, off the start, um, although I guess it came out afterward that Luis Diaz had a hip yeah. injury of some sort where he wasn't 100% or wasn't 90 minutes fit, but I uh, was a little surprised to see Eunice. Other than that, I think it was pretty standard. Yeah, and that was the same for me. It was a surprise to see Mokhtar start. Um, in fact, he was, for the longest time, the worst player on the field. Um, and then I think Diaz started last night, didn't he, though? Yeah. Yeah. So... And then we also had uh, Bubakar Keita was in for uh, Wormhor last night as well. Okay. Yeah, see, I didn't even notice that. Uh, I'll be honest, like I said, I just watched a little here and there. Um, so this game had tons of goals. I'm uh, just kidding. Had one goal in the 56th minute. Lucas, of course, I mean, perfect shot. So here's the thing I can't remember from ESPN FC. Was this shot where the spiders lay their eggs, or was it where my grandmother hangs her clothes? I couldn't figure it out because in the side, it went perfectly in the corner, but actually hit the side netting. So I don't know which is the appropriate uh, Ali uh, Moreno <laughs> vernacular. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I honestly haven't watched that program in a while. Yeah, ever since they took it off, actually, ESPN, I don't have time to watch it. But anyways, I mean, this is going to be a controversial comment, but people doesn't score that. Oh, no, not People at all. doesn't try to take that shot. I got a lot of hate tweets at me for saying that Lucas is better than people already. I'm not trying to disrespect people. I'm just saying Lucas is a much more complete player. Yeah, I think he's not He's not better in the sense of, like, he's done more for the club. Exactly. He's better in the sense that he's far more talented than 
uh, Pipa ever was while he was with Columbus. I and think. that's not a knock on Pipa at no, all. It's just not at all. Skills. I mean, we didn't spend seven million dollars on Pipa. Right. We spent seven million dollars on Lucas. Because um, I, I love Ethan Finley, and he is a MLS right winger, you know. But I still love him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think with Lucas, that goal, I think that really kind of showed uh, why we spent that money. Because when you when you spend that kind of money on a player. You're expecting them to get like win matches for you, get points for you, and I think without that goal, it probably would have finished a zero-zero draw because NYC was really bunkered down. Kind of, we weren't really creating that many chances besides another one that I'm sure we'll get to later. Yeah, well, we'll go ahead and talk about why they were bunkering down before. I'll skip the substitution part, but the ref was just a young guy, Remy Tushan. I forgot to look up his numbers. I think he had like eight MLS games. But I was shocked because I turned to the people next to me um, in the third minute when uh, Lucas got pulled down. I'm like, he called that foul. It has to be a red card. But it's the third minute. He's not going to pull red. And when he did, I was shocked, like, literally. like. But part of me, even though it's the correct call and we like to play up a man, I wish it hadn't happened because it completely ruined the game. It, it made, you know, NYCFC just sat in the box, parked the bus, um, and so we literally couldn't use that particular game as a as a standard for anybody on the team. Yeah, I agree. I thought um, I was surprised to see the red drawn. I thought like it was the right call. I still feel like a lot like a lot of experienced refs would have gone for a yellow in that situation. Right. Just to kind of keep the game alive because the game really did just die, and it was. I mean, it was great to get the three points, but I think there was. A lot more to take from this most recent match than there was the NYC match last week. Um, just because of that, I think like New York City is a really good team, and I mean they didn't really play soccer; like they just couldn't play their game down a man. And so, yeah, it, I mean it was just it was hard to really take much from it. Because I think we were talking about last time how there's gonna be lots of goals in this game because the way both teams play. Well, unfortunately, that didn't end up happening. Um, overall, what were your thoughts on the ref? I mean, I honestly, I was shocked at how many fans in my section were saying how much he sucked and he's biased towards NYCFC. And I'm like, he gave us a red card in the first three minutes. What on earth do you want from this guy? And it was just, it was, it was, I personally thought he was consistent. He may not have been correct in his calls, but he was consistent in what he was calling for both teams. So I, I actually appreciated that, that a little bit. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I was a little confused by kind of the reaction online after the game from some people. Um, I, I mean, the red card, like, it was a correct call. And then he did give out quite a few yellows, I believe, to both teams. Well, four, it was 4-1. Four to one. Four crew, one New okay. York City. Yeah. And I still, like, most of them I felt right at the time. Um, I don't, like... I think one of them was Pedro for dissent, yeah. which he had been asking for it for the first however many yeah. minutes of the game before and, it happened. And, and I personally like a ref that protects his team because he charged the AR and was like screaming at the AR and he immediately booked him. I, I, I like that. He, yeah, yeah, I think there was one bad call early on, um, which was a play in the corner, which I believe it was uh, one of the linesmen who called it. They called it off of uh, um, Columbus, but it's very clearly off of New York oh, City. Yeah. But it also, I mean, it didn't really go on to have that much of an effect on the game. It was just kind of a minor mishap. For a goal kick instead of a corner, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the guy on our side, Nordeka's side, at east side, he was not a good AR. The, the woman on the other side, she was, like, on it. Um, so I was wishing they would switch sides, but it did not happen. 
Um, the one thing I thought was interesting was, I wish Dakota was here. I have to bring it up next time. But I think Lucas has a little bit of dark arts in him um, in terms of drawing fouls, which I don't think they've picked up on yet because Santos, some statistician can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's one single solitary foul called on a Santos tackle, like ta San Santos being taken down. So I think this ref was prepped for Santos's diving. And I don't want to say diving negatively because, I mean, there is always contact, but the ref was calling nothing. But Lucas got all the calls. So I don't know if it was a protection thing, he's a very expensive player, or if it was a, hey, we don't really know what to expect from him yet. Yeah, I think it was – yeah, I think it was just they didn't – I think with Pedro, I think he's just developed a reputation around the league where the refs are just – they're not having it with him. Yeah. They're just like – and, I mean, it doesn't help that he also – probably talks to like to the ref in a negative manner yeah. more than any player on our team um but uh yeah i think with lucas i'm not i'm not sure i'd have to look back like a little bit but i don't think there were very many like fouls he drew where i thought he you know embellished it all i thought it was i mean i think he's a really good player and i think yeah he just got taken down a lot because that's he, what happens to good players yeah and i don't want to cause any uproar but it just made me think of messi because if you're not as good as him you just like they just hack him down yeah and that made me think of that a lot but i really couldn't tell watching it live whether because um, even the red card foul i could tell as a foul but like wow he really flew but when you watched the replay it was his leg got taken off under him so clearly that you know you can't really fake flying across the field that way yeah i think that's fair so the substitution, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, Lucas, whatever, is by far the best player on the field. Um, substitutions. Diaz came on from Mokhtar in the 58th minute. Um, I saw an instant uptick in the game. Energy, speed, you name it. Um, the one that surprised me but probably did not surprise you was in the 80th minute. Adi came on for Zardes. Um, I didn't think at that point we're up one nothing. Why do we need an offensive sub? But... Um, I know you predicted we'd see Adi a lot more, and I said we probably won't see him at all. But and then 87th minute, my boy Cads came on for Lucas, which I want your opinion. Was this just a hey so the home crowd can cheer for Lucas? Was that what that subdivision substitution was about? It was kind of an odd substitution in my book. I mean, I think there, I think it was kind of a combination of a bunch of things. I think number one, you're protecting a lead at that point. I think. Like, you know, we're not really trying to score a goal, and you bring on a defender who also has played an attack before but still can be a defensive-minded player, I think. You know, we brought him on because, I mean, really just because he would defend better than Lucas the last few minutes, but also can still offer that, like, attacking outlet, that pace yeah. to kind of get to the corners. Um, and then I also think just to give, give – well, probably to give Lucas the ovation, but also just to give Cadden, like, a nice – smooth easy debut just get him on the field for a couple minutes kind of calm any nerves um rather than you know him having to make his first start as his first appearance or coming on you know early in a match where we really need him um just to get a few minutes under his belt kind of feel out the pace and um physicality of the league yeah he did do cadden i mean he did do that one slow draft run you know the 80 i was like man that guy's got some speed and i'm pretty excited to see him tall guy we have a lot of height on our team this year which is something we're not really used to but um watching mensa and i know sour was tall but i don't think he was as tall as Wormhor or cadden I don't, I don't have the actual numbers in front of me but just on visuals i don't think i think sour was that tall i think sour is a little bit taller than cadden i think oh. cadden just appears tall because <laughs> he's a link he's a fullback and you have like we're used to you know milton and harrison and even when he came out on the wing we're used to pedro and lucas 
Um, so I think, I mean, he's just a big player for kind of one of the wide positions. Most wide players are typically under six foot, and I think he's about at six foot, six oh. one. Um, and then I think Wormhor does have a couple inches on um, Sorrow. But, yeah, I mean, I, we definitely do have a tall team. Even with Adi coming on, he's got two or three inches on Zardes. Um, and I think the Adi sub, I think, I was a little surprised at the time, but then, I, you know, it did kind of make sense because he's going to hold up the ball a lot more um, than Zardes will, which, I mean, we saw a couple, I think two times he kind of was over in that corner just holding on to the ball, wasting some time. Um, also winning winning headers when Eloy uh, kicks it deep. Um, I think that's I think that's a sub we'll probably see a lot when we're kind of nursing a one goal lead and we have multiple subs left. Um, and then the Diaz sub I think um, I think you did you saw an uptick right away the pace I think we really needed that all game. Um, he just provides an outlet that nobody else on the team provides because you can just kind of hoof it kick it downfield and he's gonna run after it and get it. Um, so, I mean, all, all in all, I thought all three subs were pretty good and made some sense. Yeah. Um, the last point on the speed, I was going to mention, too, that I was happy about – we had quick ball movement. Because a lot of times in our Burhalter ball, we had we had all the passing, but it was kind of like slow, methodical. Okay, let me think about it. But relax. I'm not equating us to Man City. But, like, when you watch, like, a team that knows how to play it very well do the – the ball moves so fast, boom, 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 boom. So, I mean, obviously we're not that. But there was an element of, hey, we're quick, thinking quicker and getting the ball to the next person quicker, which I appreciated. I hope that keeps up. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, – and I think that just has to do with some of the players we brought in. I think Lucas and Agby are just at a higher quality than some of the players we've had in the past. And then even, even Diaz and putting Pedro with a bunch of great players around him kind of offer a little bit more than, like, the Miram's and Traps of the past. But I want to talk about Nagby because, to be honest, in that game, not that I thought he was the worst player, but I was like, eh, he didn't really do anything. But I want you to talk about how wrong I am about that. So, I mean, yeah, I did think quite the opposite. I had him um, joint highest rated on the team for the game. Um, definitely would have been, like, one of my three or four man of the match candidates. I would have given it to Lucas because, I mean, he did win the match for us. Um, but, I mean, I thought Nagby was excellent. He went, I think, 76 minutes without um, an incomplete pass or uh, losing the ball at all. Um, and I think it's just his kind of control of the game. He always is under control. He's always calm. I think with midfielders in the past and a lot of midfielders in this league, you know, you press them and they kind of – they I mean, they get scared. They will do something that will – negatively affect the team they'll get they'll lose the ball um make a dumb pass and I think he's just so calm he knows he knows what he needs to do he constantly is moving the ball forward um taking one or two touches drawing in the defenders then bringing a pass which opens the field wide open um I mean the ball kind of is just glued to his foot um in tight spaces which is an amazing thing to have because that's just going to draw defenders and then open up the entire field for everyone else. Um, I, I mean, I think as someone who's been a fan of him for years in these first couple games, even preseason, like I feel like I never even fully appreciated his entire game because even defensively he's contributed a lot more winning the ball back, hustling back than I ever remember seeing um, in Portland or Atlanta, which is probably just me not watching those teams as closely as I do the crew but um 
I think just he's just an excellent two-way player and has filled in beautifully in that trap role, despite it not even really being his best role. Yeah, and so just thinking about how I agreed with that in preseason, maybe one of the reasons it's kind of weird to say sometimes you know stats don't say everything in soccer. So when you people are like, oh well, that person never gets any goals and assists, but they make a huge impact on the field. Maybe that's one of it. He was so invisible to me because he was doing so much, if that makes sense. But he wasn't doing anything flashy or attacking. But um, as you say, he was making others shine. And so um, I was like, well, that's just something I'll have to watch out for this season because my um, I clearly realized that my, my assessment of him was wrong after I was reviewing um, what a lot of the actual soccer people were saying. Yeah, it was a, it was a very, like, I know we already compared Lucas to Messi, so not, yeah. not to keep being blasphemous. But <laughs> and the crew to Man City. So. It was a very, like, classic Barcelona midfield type performance, like a Xavi, a Sergio Busquets. Like, you know, everyone watches those highlights of, like, those great Barcelona teams, and it's, it's messy, messy, messy. Uh, but it's just that midfield is an engine that makes everything tick. And if you, I think if you watch Nagby, if you watched a game with the goal of only watching Nagby, I think you definitely would see it all. Um, but it is, it, it does kind of go unnoticed because, you know, he's not dribbling past seven defenders and yeah. putting it in the top corner. And one thing that I forgot about Nagby, um, Alexi Laos reminded me of it. And Alexi Laos was complaining, but in my mind, I am so happy that he's a club over country guy. When the U.S. men's national team comes calling you saying no thank you, respect. Respect to Nagby for that. I forgot all about that, so thanks for reminding me, Alexi. All right, well, we'll get into the ratings in a little bit. I don't know how you want to do it because I see you have your ratings from last week, but you have a fresh game in your mind last night. Um, but we'll go ahead and talk about the March 7th match at 10 o'clock our time, which would have been with daylight savings 11 o'clock. I had to get up early, so I went to bed. <laughs> but uh, I did uh, watch the first goal. Um, it was a, ended up being a 1-1 draw. That first goal was a Zardes goal from a pass from Diaz, if I remember correctly. And that was one of those um, lots of lots of crew players touched the ball yeah, to get there. A fantastic so, team goal. And that's what I love. I love team goals. I know people get mad at me for, oh, you know, you... You'd rather have like a tap in with eight people touching it than you know one of those wheel trap esque shoot it from forty yards and pray it goes in. Yes, <laughs> it's true. I'm trying to open up the wonderful MLS app, and by wonderful I mean crappy. Um, so I was looking up as we we're talking, and the announced attendance was thirty nine thousand, which uh, seems kind of high, um, given that King County, Washington, is one of the hot spots of coronavirus in the United States. Um, so I was kind of surprised. I haven't seen the league say one single solitary thing, um, which is interesting because they have canceled the Arnold Classic. Well, they haven't canceled it. They've pro prohibited crowds at the Arnold Classic. Uh, maybe some of it's overreaction. I don't know. But I just do think it's odd. I'm surprised the Players Association hasn't come across stronger. But it appears that the crew practiced in Columbus till Friday, flew in, chartered yesterday and flew back immediately after the game. So at least the team and the owners are, you know, I taking think, their safety. I think they flew in Friday night and stayed overnight. But I think... It was I, they were originally scheduled to leave on Thursday night, get there Thursday night, then have all day Friday, Saturday, fly back on Sunday, and instead they flew out Friday night, got there late Friday night, stayed the night, woke up, played the game, flew back afterward. 
Oh, I thought I had read that they weren't going to spend the night at all, but maybe, maybe. Um, one thing, as I'm looking here in the app, I didn't realize, but Artur actually did get a hockey assist. He got a secondary assist for yeah. the Zara's goal. Um, let's see. I'm going to let you talk about the game. I just didn't watch much. I did um, see the penalty. Unfortunately, that was a harsh handball, um, but it was a handball. It's a tough one because it looks like it bounced off his thigh into his hand, which, I mean, I don't know what he can do about that. I hate the handball rule as written, but I've... You can listen to the last 38 episode, 37 episodes and hear about how much I hate it. Um, but we'll talk about a different rule that I hate. Is Eli, Eli Room saved the shot from uh, Rudy Az. And Marufo went back to the – which, by the way, I should mention, Jair Marufo was the referee of this game. He is a Columbus Crew legend. Um, took that uh, Blanco jersey from the Chicago Fire. Got suspended for that several years ago, and now he ruined the 2015 World Cup. World Cup, sorry, MLS Cup. Um, but anywho, it was weird when he made the cause. Like he's looking to call a penalty, um, but then this stupid rule, which is supposed to help the encroachment issue, that goalkeepers no longer have to keep both feet on the line; they just have to keep one foot on the line. When they had to keep both foot. They never enforced it. Watch any Champions League game, watch any World Cup game, they never enforced encroachment. The first time they started enforcing it was during the Women's World Cup. They really, really, really tried to enforce that rule. Then they changed it to keeping one foot on the line, and now all of a sudden we're having problems. Um, so even though what Room did was technically a violation of the, the letter of the law, I think of the spirit of the law, I think that that's the way it's always been done, and I'm very irritated that, that now... You know, he does not have a save, and I do not get those five fantasy points. So the whole thing irritated me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I pretty much completely agree. Um, it was the correct call, and I mean, right when they showed the replay, and yeah. then you saw Marufo holding his ear, and then walk over. You're like, yeah, that's yeah. They're retaking it. Um, it's just I just hate the rule. I hate the rule, but it's the correct call. Yeah, I have from the 2018 World Cup, and I can't remember if it was mine or I took it from somebody else. But every penalty kick you took, you they had a picture every single one. The goalkeeper was off the line, and not one single one did they retake. So it's like they wrote a rule to fix a problem that they weren't calling anyways. So um, that kind of irritates me. But that is that. Um, so it ended up ending in a one-one draw. Um, Jordan Morris seemed to be having a shocker. I kind of was fast-forwarding watching it real fast, but he missed a couple goals. He missed a wide-open header, um, which I did like to see Room get a little fiery with his uh, with his um, defenders. He was screaming at them. Um, but other than that, anybody stick out to on either team that was like really good or really bad? I mean, I think last night might have been Jonathan Mensah's best game in a Columbus Crew jersey. And Even though... You can see, see the wait. Was that off? That was Harrison. Oh yeah, my bad. Um, I mean, I think he's Blood had a lot that. of good games. Don't get me wrong. I think some people are like, "Whoa, he's finally, he's finally good." But I mean, I think he's had like, I think he's been, you know, consistently a seven out of ten, eight out of ten, nine out of ten for I mean, really the last three years. But um, I think last night he really just it was a weird game because I don't know what the final possession stats were. But Seattle, it did feel like Seattle kind of had a grip on the game at least. Like they it felt like they were always in control. Yeah, fifty six percent Seattle, forty four Columbus. But they just never, they never really, they just never really got that many big chances aside from two Morris chances at the end. Like for the most part, the entire first half into the second half, like they had the ball and they. 
got some shots, but I mean, the defense was always in control. Jonathan, I thought was excellent and was man of the match. Um, I put a poll up on Twitter and I'm pretty sure like I gave like three or four options of players and I'm pretty sure he got 92% of the vote. Interesting. Um, did, uh, do, do they do man of the match still? I haven't seen it come from the official. I, yeah, Twitter. I don't think they do it anymore. It um, was dumb anyways. They picked the players that made those yeah, sense. Um, other than them, I thought Archer and Nagley, the combination of them, were excellent. Um, and then I think Abubakar Kaida, I think he definitely had some rough moments. There was a moment where uh, Rui Diaz uh, kind of beat him, and then he had kind of a dumb foul from behind. And then he also put Nagley in a bad spot once. But um, I thought as a... I believe he's 19, as a 19-year-old stepping up with the starting center back out injured, coming in to, I mean, against one of the, I mean, the defending MLS Cup champions. I thought he had a really, it's not a great performance, but it was a very, like, it was just a very impressive performance from a kid. Um, and then I thought our left-back position was excellent as well. Um, Milton in the first half. Um, he went down in the 21st minute. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I don't remember seeing that. Do we and have an update on that? I yeah, was just... He ended up coming back in, looked fine the rest of the half. And then at halftime, from what I understand, they took him out as a precaution. Okay. And uh, Chris Cavan came in and played left back for the entire second half. And, I mean, pretty much picked up right where Milton left off. It was obviously a little bit different because, you know, you have a right footer on your left side opposed to Milton being that natural left footer. But uh, they actually... Um, Jordan Morris in the first half was on the left side going up against Harrison. I thought Harrison contained him pretty well to the point where they then moved um, Jordan Morris to the left side. And, I mean, Cadden just had no issues dealing with him one-on-one. It was very exciting to see that we have, like, um, potentially two really good young fullbacks. And then also Harrison, who still, last night wasn't his best game overall. But, I mean, still, I mean, he did a better job dealing with Morris than I expected. So it kind of gives us three really good fullback options for this year. So I'd say overall kind of like the midfield and defense were kind of the standouts. Um, as far as the attack, they had the one beautiful goal, um, one or two other good moments. I thought Pedro looked better yesterday than he did against NYC, but still, I mean, it was actually kind of weird because every time Lucas and Pedro got the ball, Seattle would just swarm them with two or three players to where, I mean, they just couldn't really figure out how to do much except for on the one goal where Lucas makes an excellent play, lays it off to Artur, who finds Diaz, and then Diaz puts in a 10 out of 10 cross that Zardes finishes off. But other than that, the front four were pretty inactive. And then um, Etienne Jr., Eunice came on late. I thought neither of them really did too much um, that impressed me. Um, Eunice actually had a great touch and freed himself open. I thought he should have shot it. I thought he could have made it. And instead he laid it off into the box and it got cleared. To me, that was kind of a decisive moment where like, I really feel like we could have gotten the three points had he just shot. Um, I haven't seen the replay from all angles, but I mean, it looked like, you know, if he just hit that near post that it would go in and Fry was just there, there was no way he could have saved if, if Eunice had put a good shot on goal. Um, and then, I mean, late Lucas, last yeah. minute, 94th so. minute, had a really good shot um, that Stefan Fry saved. I still think it might have hit the post, but it was a great shot nonetheless. And, I mean, we haven't had the best free kick takers of the year, yeah. so hopefully it's a I mean, sign it of things to come. <laughs> yeah. And so I was excited about that. And it looked like it was going in the top corner, and then the game immediately ended after. 
But I definitely have to check out the rest of the second half um, to see Cadden because um, I kind of, like I said, fast-forwarded through it. It would be um, fun to watch. I, um, by the way, on the app, the attendance is 33,000. So that's about that's almost 10,000 fewer people than usual. Um, so um, it is kind of interesting that yeah. some people decided to stay home, but the league didn't do anything about you know, I, protecting players. Based on looking at it and having seen that stadium full for Sounders and even for um, NFL, I think, I would have said it was probably around 24,000, 25,000. Yeah. I mean, they probably already had the tickets sold, but I know there's on Twitter was going around all the seats they had not sold. I mean, even yeah. Microsoft was telling people 55,000 employees stay home, don't go out, don't work. Um, so it's kind of interesting to to see. I need this crisis to be over because um, my honeymoon plans are being ruined. So let's get it together, people. Find a cure. Hashtag find a cure. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Uh, we talked about the last second um, free kick and the fry save. Um, anything else that stuck out during the game? I saw Etienne Jr. came in for Diaz in the 66th. Uh, Mokhtar came on for Santos in the 80th. Um, anything out of those guys? Um, Etienne Jr., I mean, he had one nice play inside of the box that um, Seattle just defended really well. He did have a play um, over in the. It was not really. It was not really in the corner, but it was on the like around midfield where the ball was clearly heading out for what would have been a Seattle throw-in, and he like sprinted full speed to try and keep it in. But then when he kept it in, Seattle still maintained, still yeah. got the ball, and I think Definitely some <laughs> and some people were pretty frustrated at him. Um, at the end of the day, it didn't hurt the game, and it wasn't in. It wasn't like it was in a dangerous spot. We still had eight defenders behind where the ball was, to where um, even if Seattle would have scored on that, I don't think you could have put that much blame on him. Yeah. But um, I like the players make an effort to keep the ball in. Um, sometimes it's dumb. Um, sometimes, but I mean, but he, especially when it yeah. goes out the end line, I think it's worth it. Yeah. With thinking, you know, about the game, the situation. He probably should have let it go, but at the same time, he's a young player out there trying to win minutes. Right. Um, and if he does that in, like, you know, the second or third minute, and we get the ball and go on down in the possession half, then it's a great play. It just it didn't work out in that situation. Um, I kind of thought, I mean, the Eunice sub, I was kind of against. I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted to just put Josh Williams on and just kind of close out the game, get the draw. Um, Eunice did like while he was out there we did get you know two more scoring chances probably so it was probably the right call um, I still think he should have shot I think there was a position where had Eunice shot I think we could have won the game but okay um, yeah I um oh that reminded me of something I don't know what it was I was just going to say that the 1-1 one, one point or the 1-1 uh, one, one tie giving us a point actually in MLS standards, is a really, really good result, especially yeah. at home in Seattle. No, I'm, so I'm not mad about it. But, yeah, from what I've heard and seen, again, I need to rewatch, but there were opportunities that we could have scored. Yeah, it's a weird game because if you would have told me at 9.55 last night, right now you can just take a draw and it's yeah. over, I would have absolutely done yeah. it 100 out of 100 times. Um, and then even watching, you know, the first, up until our goal – I was like, man, this is just has Seattle one zero two zero written all over it. I just didn't really think we were going to do anything. Then we produced the goal, had a stretch of really good play, and I was like, man, maybe we can actually win this. And then penalty happened, and then you're like, 
yeah, I'll still take the draw. But then we had then we chances. saved it, and it's like, then oh. we had chances after to win it. So just a really weird game. Um, when you know, I look at the totality of this is, and I think, I mean, a draw is still a fantastic result. It just does feel a little weird because we were definitely close to getting out of there with three points, which would have been one of the best regular season results in club history. Yeah. So the last question, I I remember my question. Um, there was some talk about Kaylor Porter's press conference after the game. Um, I didn't watch it, <laughs> so I was c- curious about what was exciting or about that. Uh, so I mean, after the game, really, they at like, um, I forget who's who's our um, sideline reporter. Uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm so bad with names. Something Hildebrandt or something. Yeah. I I can't remember his name to be honest. Um, he kind of asked him. He kind of presented the question as like, oh well, a draw in Seattle, great result, right? And, uh, I mean, Porter basically said, you know, normally we would have loved this. Um, you know, it's a great result in Seattle against one of the best teams in the league, but um, I really thought we could have gotten more. I feel like the standards around here have risen, and I'm just paraphrasing. I can't yeah. remember exactly what he said, but, I mean, he basically said, you know, we expect better. The standards are higher now than they were to where we had chances to win the game and we should have won the game. So a draw is okay. great, but it's kind of – bittersweet because we felt we were the better team and could have won the game i feel like personally a draw was a fair result even though we did have chances to win morris nine out of ten times scores one of those two yeah. chances that he has um and i mean yeah, I, especially the header. still like the header, i yeah. can't believe he missed that um but i mean it's good to see even at halftime porter um i thought it was hilarious that he just like flat out said like Seattle's front four attacking players don't de- don't defend, don't care about defending, can't defend. So we really need to force them to try to defend because they don't <laughs> want to do it. Um, so just, I mean, it's kind of a breath of fresh air after years of Burhalter, yeah. who was a great coach but never really offered anything good or bad in his press conferences. And then even last year, where all of us were just kind of so down on the team that yeah. nothing really mattered. Because like, I, I feel like all his comments last year were like, oh, well, we'll get him next time. Or, oh, well, the yeah. boys really tried. We'll get him next time. So it is it is cool to hear that he's not happy with a draw. So and I, mean, I hope that wasn't just talk. I hope he's And ready. I think there were even, like, somebody said, one of the writers said after the game at the locker room was kind of a very, like, quiet, disappointed oh, good. group, which is, I mean, that's good, I think. Um Hopefully they take that mentality into the next few weeks because I think we have a lot of winnable games upcoming where we really can kind of put our foot down as one of the best teams in the East or in the league. Yeah. All right. So this is a segment where we give the players rankings uh, with four being the worst, four, six being average. Uh, I think the best way to do it, I'll just say since I only ranked the players from um, the other game, from the NYCFC game, it's probably best if I just say, hey, here's how I thought of this game. Um, you can give your score what you thought from that game and then kind of say, well, they either improved or not, uh, if that makes any sense. But uh, but Zardis, I gave him a four. I was like, he had no effect on the game whatsoever. I was not pleased with Zardis last week, so I'm happy to see him on the score sheet this week. Uh, yeah, Zardis, last week I gave him a um, six. I thought there were um, some moments where um, you know he did some good things running at the defense holding the ball up, laying the ball off. Um, I mean, a, he didn't really get too much service, so I don't like. I feel like I can't really go lower than a six because I thought he kind of did everything he was supposed to do with the opportunity he had. Um, 
And I think, you know, in, in a game where NYC just had nine guys, you know, behind the right. ball the entire game, it's hard for a striker to get open in the box when he's got four guys surrounding him whose main goal is to not let him um, get any sort of looks. Um, so I That's gave him true. A six. My, my score may have been more of a criticism of, of, of the, the type of striker he is. And then I'd probably say he's around the same level of performance against Seattle. I think I'd probably bump him up to like a seven. Just because of the goal, got that goal, and it was—I mean, it was was a really good finish. I think that's one of those where, like, I mean, even in the New England game yesterday, New England striker 94th minute had that same chance, pretty much same type of cross, and just skied it from like two yards out. And so I think it's it's a harder finish than it look when you see him make it. It looks really easy, but I think it was a harder finish than um, than it looks. Um, so I, I give him a seven. He's been pretty kind of average to start the year, but I think as we kind of progress against teams where we can really kind of play our game um, and, you know, not playing maybe the two best teams in the league to start the season. Some of these next few games, I think we'll really tell where he's at. All right. So Mokhtar, same thing. Um, I gave him a four. I said he didn't do anything effective in that game. Yeah, I gave him a four as well. I didn't nice. really understand. I mean – it's hindsight, but I don't really understand why he started the game. But now we know. I mean, right, with it, the, and it, and it, yeah, it made sense the Diaz thing. I still probably would have gone with Etienne Jr. in that situation, but oh, um, I hadn't thought about that. Good thought. But um, yeah, I mean, it definitely was not his best showing. All right, so Lucas, I gave him a nine. Um, from last game, I was almost gave him a ten for scoring, but I thought, nope, need to have his first game of the season. Relax, you know, let's give him room for improvement. Um. But I, for me, uh, I was really excited about what he brought and what he's going to bring the rest of the season. Yeah, I gave him uh, an 8.5. I think uh, it overall was a pretty like pretty solid game. But you know, you take away the goal, it's probably like a seven, seven point five, like solid showing where he shows you a bunch of different things he can do. Um, but then the goal really kind of completed it off to being a pretty good performance. But I still also think there's still like. R- plenty of room and levels for him to go, so I'll give him 8.5. All right, so Pedro Santos, um, for me, for last week, um, I thought he was the best player. I mean, obviously he's not better than Lucas, but I thought he had at least three or four opportunities to score. I know that in the crew world he's hated, um, and so they say, well, he should have scored, um, but there were a couple that I thought were, um, he was just unlucky to not to not finish. So I gave him a 9 from last week. Um, I was very happy because one of my worries was when he's not playing that 10 role when he kind of blew up last year um, that he would actually digress but in my mind he didn't so I'm so I was happy with that wow I think this might be the most we've ever disagreed on one of the ratings before oh, but it's coming the I next gave, one's worse I gave him a five um Ooh. I thought you know he did offer more than Eunice out there but um just what we saw of him in preseason and like what we saw last season, even in a different position last year. But it was just, I was kind of disappointed. I thought he, he did have two or three shots that were, I mean, they were good shots, but then he also missed them. Um, and then otherwise I thought it was a lot of kind of, I mean, it was almost kind of like one of those kind of average below average Justin Mirren performances where he's, you want him out there because he's always going to be capable of doing something good, but it just didn't really feel like his day kind of turning the ball over every time he tried to t- take on a defender. 
Um, so I give him a five, and then I think he was probably a six or seven against Seattle. Thought he definitely improved. I thought even his just work rate improved. He had a couple really nice touches, and Seattle really seemed to key in on him too as a player to stop. And he still kind of had a few good moments. Didn't really result in any big chances or um, great shots or anything, but um, it was definitely an improvement. All right, this is where I feel like I just need to be honest because this is what I wrote immediately after the game. After additional research and viewing, this is not going to hold up well. Um, but I actually gave Nagby a five, and here's what I wrote. He was invisible, had bad passes, and indecisive, which when you look at the stats, the bad passes is absolutely fault. Yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like I have to be honest and put that out there and not uh, and not try to line with, yeah, I gave him a 10. He was the best player out there because I literally didn't witness that in my mind. I have to, I have to look better. <laughs> and, I mean, hey, maybe maybe the three incomplete passes <laughs> of the 70 or so that the only he time made I wasn't were, on Twitter. <laughs> were pretty bad. But um, I gave him an 8.5. I think he was man of the match prior to the Lucas goal and was kind of the joint best performer. Lucas kind of gets the nod because, you know, he won the game with that goal. And, I mean, attacking players are just always going to get a slight benefit over midfielders and defenders because they are the ones that score the goals and win the games. But, um, I mean, I thought he was excellent. And then I would say last night was pretty similar. I would give him an 8.5 as well. Not quite like a 9 because I think to get to kind of that 9 territory for a player like him, even as a – I mean, a defensive midfielder like he's playing for us, I still think to kind of get to that nine, nine and a half, ten level needs to contribute like an attack and to creating chances more. But as far as like his job in midfield, it's pretty much been perfect the first two weeks. Yeah. Um, so our tour in the holding mid, I, I just guess I just had to watch these guys play together. Um, I gave him a five two. So I'm not really sure uh, your thoughts on the midfield. I feel like you are much more bullish than I was. Yeah, I gave Archer an 8 for New York City and then an 8.5 for Seattle. Um, I honestly thought he was pretty bad in preseason, like the little bit we saw him. Um, in moments, he did have some good moments. He had, uh, he did have an assist in preseason. That was good. But um, I've been really impressed with how him and Nagby have worked together the first two games. It's worked a lot better than it looked in that Houston game and that uh, first game against Phoenix. Um and I think, I mean, he's just been excellent at winning the ball back, kind of. It's weird, because him and Nagby, Nagby's playing, like, the position, positionally playing, like, the six, and Archer's positionally playing, like, the eight, but their roles are kind of reversed. Like, Nagby's playing, like, an eight at the six, and Archer is playing, like, a six at the eight. Um, he's definitely the guy more defensive-minded. It's just kind of higher up the field. I think he's really been kind of a key to the few good moments of pressing we've had in these first two games which, similar to Zardes, I think we'll definitely see come to fruition a lot more against the RSLs and Nashvilles of the world. Um, yeah, I thought um, he's just done almost everything right. I think the one knock on him is he always has one or two just really stupid fouls every game that I kind of Maybe that's why I held against him. That I kind of knock off a few points for, because it's like, all right, you don't need to grab that dude shirt and pull him <laughs> down. Just hustle back and get in front of him. Yeah, because he can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my boy Milton, I know that you think I love him. Well, I do love him. Don't be get me We wrong. all love him. But um, I gave him a nine. I was actually shocked that – well, not shocked is the wrong word, but I was wondering, man, coming back off the injury, is he going to be – all right, same speed, same type of passion, same defensive play. And actually, I was impressed. I mean, um, he actually made more offensive effort 
um, that game, um, which I thought, well, again, I know it was hard. I don't know if it's gonna, I don't know if you did that last night, but with the red card and things like that um, in the New York City game. But for me, I was just ha I was just more excited that we looks like we have the same Milton back. So um, I kind of uh, gave him a high nine. Yeah, even about seven and a half for the New York City game. I thought defensively he was excellent, which I think we just come to expect. Um, kind of knocks on him. I mean, a seven point five is a pretty right. solid score, but I think um, I think kind of the knock on him would be that we really did kind of play through him. Um, we kind of played a lot down the left side. He had the most touches of any player on the field in the New York City game, um, and especially in the attacking half. Granted, they had so many people behind the. Um, Line and he did have a cross that I believe went to the head of Pedro Santos that went right into the keeper's yep. arms, which was a great cross. Otherwise, his cross has kind of left a lot to be desired, and so I would knock him a little bit for kind of the attack. I think with the opportunity, and it seemed like kind of the game plan was to kind of play through that left side. I thought he could have done a little bit um, better, and then I think last night in Seattle, he, um, I mean he was excellent. I mean, I think had he played the entire game, he would have been right there with Jonathan in the running for man of the match. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll say I give him like a nine for last night. I okay, mean, I was going to say a first half just, last night. Um, he was going up against um, Miguel Ibarra, who, not the greatest winger, he's kind of an MLS average replacement level winger. And I mean, he was filling in for uh, Ladero. Uh, Ladero usually plays a 10, but the way their formation shifted... Um, Abar was the guy that came into the lineup for him. And, uh, I mean, he didn't do anything in the first half at all. In the second half, he scored a goal that was ruled offside. Um, but, I mean, again, Milton wasn't even in the game then. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen is that he's the best defensive left back in the league. And last night, I mean, he's the best left back in possession, passing the ball, holding onto the ball, dribbling. Um, it's really just once he gets that final cross and even getting in positions to shoot, I mean, we're probably going to lose him for 20 million. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I was just thinking of too, uh, how, uh, Cedric, um, he plays for Arsenal now, but like, uh, I, I know he's shorter. Cause when you said that earlier, like, Oh, we're just used to, um, Cedric Suarez, that is, not yeah, so, sorry. Yeah. Cedric Suarez. <laughs> he, I mean, he's a short, short guy. Um, so, um, it was, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's just something I was thinking about. All right, Mensa in the back. I was, again, excited about him because um, I know crew fans hated him the first season he was here. Um, he's been very solid. I gave him a solid eight. I just thought that he played really, really well in the New York City game. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I gave him a seven mainly because I just didn't think New York well, City. Well, he's your man. you got high standards. You know, you want to be uh, able to give him room to grow. <laughs> um, I didn't think – I just don't think NYCFC challenged really kind of the center backs at all in that game. And so I just think it's like it's hard to get for me. It was hard to That's give him. True. It was hard to give him higher than a seven because I mean he didn't really have to do that much. Um, I mean most of his play was passing the ball upfield, which I mean he did a great job at. But I think for the center backs, they're really kind of judged on their one-on-one -on -one defending, winning duels, which he did. I believe won a hundred percent of his duels along with Vito, um, his aerials. Um, so, I mean, it was a really good performance. Um, it was just, I don't think I can give him higher when there was nothing that really, even, I don't I don't think he was challenged at all, I guess, which is why I gave him a seven. Cause That's a fair point, yeah. Didn't. But I still gave Ruma, we'll, you know, we'll get there, but I gave him a nine, even though he didn't have much to do. It's just, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just overly generous. <laughs> no, I mean, I, an A is perfectly fair. I think it's just different ways of grading yeah. seeing the game. Yeah, and so Wormhor, um, again, like you said, he didn't have that much to do, but I still gave him an A. I was excited about because I said this during the preseason games. He struck me as – I thought he'd be very aggressive, but he was – excuse me, he wasn't. But he was a very aggressive tackler, which I liked because we haven't had that in a long time. There's been a lot of talk about his yellow card, that it could have been a red, it could have been a non-foul. I personally think the yellow card is the perfect play, even if he did win ball, because it could have been a very dangerous challenge. And, in fact, he did clip the guy. Um, so, for me, I think it's correct. Even if he didn't make contact, um, there's a misconception in soccer that, well, he, did, he got all ball or he touched the player. I mean, under the modern rules, if you go through a player to get the ball, you're still going to get booked or, or maybe even a red card. I think that was correct game management. I was totally fine with the yellow card, and I think Wormhorn would have been totally fine to, to receive that yellow card. Yeah, I gave um, him a seven, just like. Can uh, I say the number? Yeah, eight. Eight, yeah, okay. I gave um, him a seven, basically, very similar to Jonathan. Um, I just didn't think he was challenged that much. I did think he was challenged a little bit more, had a couple more moments um, where he did really well, and then he also did have. I'm not as big of a fan as like the hard tackling. I think it's important. I do think he. I think it was kind of a dumb challenge for the yellow card. And then even late in the game, the play he got hurt on, I thought yeah. was a pretty stupid play yeah, by him. I thought so too. Um, so I give him a seven. I think hopefully he gets back healthy for next week. I think, I mean, the sky's the limit for the Jonathan Vito pairing as one of the best yes. in the league. Also, I did, I when we were talking about Jonathan, I didn't mention the Seattle match. I think for me, that's probably the first 10 that I'll give out this year. Um, I mean... I think he was, I mean, he was man of the match. Um, he, it just seemed like he won every header. He bailed room out um, on one play in particular. Um, I mean, he just did pretty much everything as good as you can possibly do it as a center back. And it was a game where we were under a lot of pressure. I mean, Seattle really did kind of control the game. And, you know, he's going up against one of the best strikers in the league in Rui Diaz, Jordan Morris, one of the best attackers. Um, it's just a really good attacking team and he was kind of the leader of that defense and was excellent so did Wormhor did he play last night uh no he was, didn't shoot. was they, uh, they uh didn't play him it was from what I understand it was a precaution okay. just with the turf and then also the fact that I think even Porter going into the game kind of thought like you know if we get anything from it it's a bonus so I think it was just more of making sure that he's ready to go for these next few weeks who was the um who was Mensa's pairing uh, Bubakar Oh, that's right. You said that. Who I would probably give him a solid eight um, for last night. I thought he had a couple rough moments, but just for being a young player, um, tough environment, even with even without their full capacity of fans, still tough place to play. Really tough team to play against. I thought it was a really, um, I don't inspiring might not be the right word, but a really just impressive performance from uh, him. And then also to go on. Uh, Milton, who subbed out at halftime, Chris Cadden filled in. I would give Cadden probably a nine. I thought he filled in that second half excellently. And, like, I think it's one thing. Hector, I think, was very good last year filling in for Milton. But I think kind of knowing if Milton needs to come out of a game or miss a game or Harrison needs to miss a game, I think we're in a really good place with Cadden as kind of that third pullback. And maybe even eventually he moves up into a starting role on that right side. Yeah, um, and 
since we didn't talk about him either, uh, Diaz, how did he? How do you think he fared last night? What's, what score would you give him? I know we're all over the place. I'm sorry, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we really need our DP Coda Coda Stewart to keep <laughs> us in line. We're just we're trying our best to grind this out. Um, yeah, I think Diaz. I'd give him a seven. Um, the cross was beautiful. It's just, I mean, it was just a really smooth. I mean, great, perfect pinpoint cross into the box. Um, and then, I mean, having his pace out there, I think, really helped and was what we missed against New York City. Um, but he's still, like, that kind of front four of Pedro, Jossie, Lucas, um, and uh, Luis. Like, they ha- I mean, they had the great goal. There were one or two other chances. Other than that, they were held pretty easily by Seattle. So, I mean, I don't think I can really give him more than a seven. Alrighty, and then we've got Awful. Um, I was, I was cracking up because I wrote he played as a central attacking mid sometimes. Um, I saw him in the middle of the box a lot, um, but uh, I've I've grown to I've grown to be endeared to it. Um, so I gave him an eight. Again, not much defensively to do, but he was making offensive efforts. So give him an eight. Yeah, I gave him a seven. Um, I thought there were a couple mo- there were a couple frustrating moments, and I think defensively everything was pretty spot on um again against an nyc team that didn't pose that much of a threat um and then he did have the assist for the lucas goal which he deserves some credit for because even though lucas kind of did all the work after that it's still he still had to make the pass and i think not every right back in the league can or would make that pass in that situation they'd probably just cross it in themselves or something but um it was a weird game because we really we did we played a lot through him and Milton in that first half against New York City, and I mean Harrison really none of his crosses were anywhere close to doing anything at all. Yeah. And then he also did have a shot that I felt like he should have gone on target, but um. But I that's mean, typical is it, shot. Yeah, I mean because he's it was, like a just shoot it and see what happens. It was a very thing. like. It's what we've come to expect from yeah. Harrison the last few years. It's, it's, he's going to have his low moments, he's going to have his super high moments, but for the most part, he's going to be in that middle ground where he's just pretty solid. And I know I already gave away Eloy Room, gave him a 9. I was trying to look back at the game. It looks like NYCFC had three shots on target, so that means three saves. I don't remember if any of them were actually like real saves, but I mean, he did get a shutout. You know, I mean, he didn't have much work to do, but I'm still going to reward the shutout with a 9. Yeah, I gave him an 8 for both games. Um there were some moments against Seattle I thought he could have done better, um, but he also, um, I mean, the penalty save was nice if it would have counted. Um, and then I thought his uh, distribution in the Seattle game was actually pretty good, um, kicking long and yes. and kicking I short. I love seeing that. I'm glad that um, that continued last night. Um, so I thought, I mean, I think both games solid performance. Feel very comfortable with him as our goalkeeper. Yeah, and the NYCFC game, the, the long kick is what led to the red cards. So. Yeah. So yeah. Alrighty then. Well, that's our obscure rankings there. <laughs> so this is a segment we'll talk about loans and related to crew players, but there's not a whole t- lot of news. So I do want to start though with the kit sponsors since we haven't gotten to to talk about. It. I hope when Dakota comes back, he'll talk about it too. But I know there's a lot of talk about that black jersey, how it grew on us, but we wore it home at NYCFC, which by the way I forgot to complain about. I hate it when the rest were yellow at Crew Stadium and we wear black jerseys. It drives me nuts. But anywho, um, you can't even see the pattern as they're playing. And this is me sitting in the front row. You just couldn't see it. 
But I have to say, um, Nationwide is going to be our official sponsor, um, and so they got around um, the issue, I'm guessing, of playing in Mafre Insurance Stadium, um, which, by the way, most of it seems to me most of Mafre's like like shops have closed up around town, so I'm guessing they're not planning on sticking around Columbus. Anyways, but Nationwide Children's Hospital will be on the jerseys for 2020, and I just have to say it looks absolutely dope. Like I had no interest in buying a jersey before. I might buy one now. Uh, the butterflies look amazing. It just looks freaking amazing. Like, um, yeah. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I'm actually really excited about it. Um, there's still rumors about something about White Castle Stadium or something. I just hope they call it the Fortress if that's if it's White Castle Stadium. Yeah, I think um, I love the sponsor. I think it looks great. Yep. Um, personally, I think it looks way better on the yellow jersey um, than the black jersey, but it still looks perfectly fine on the black jersey. And then uh, the nationwide, actual nationwide logo yeah. that's going on next year on the black jersey also looks really good. Yeah, it looks um, awesome. And I know this is a hot take, and um, I get criticized by trademark lawyers and you know graphic designers are like, I hate the nationwide logo. I think it's ugly. Um, I, I prefer the original box, but uh, but it looks awesome on the jerseys. It, it really does. And, and nationwide is about 100 times the company that Yeti is. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> I mean, more than one way. <laughs> Uh, so that's that excitement. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, Axel Schuberg got sent on loan to San Antonio FC. Not really sure there's anything more to talk about there. I do feel bad. He was Defender of the Year a few years ago, but um, that's that's how life goes. When you get older, that's what happens. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a weird one. Like, because it's almost, I'm just kind of, I guess maybe um, – when we signed him, we weren't 100% sure if we were getting veto yet. I believe the Schubert signing came before okay. the veto signing. Um, and then, I mean, maybe we, maybe uh, Bubakar Keita has progressed way more than Porter. It's just a weird, like, I'm not really even sure why we signed him in the first place. Because, I mean, I mean, we now, with him on loan, we still have four center backs. So, I mean, he's the fifth center back clearly i hate to say this but i feel like we got a veteran mls defender on the cheap that if we need him we have him. yeah it's just yeah it's just weird because we didn't see him at all in preseason he didn't play in um he didn't play in the friendly on monday against uh okay. river hounds it's just like i just it's a, i don't know it's just a weird one i wonder i wonder what he thinks about it i wonder what our reasons were um yeah i'm sure we'll find out in time maybe not but um I mean, he seems like a guy who should be one of the best defenders yeah. in USL. It seems like, even though I, even though from what I understand, he was not very good last year, um, being only a couple of years removed from defender of the year, I feel like he'd at least be good yeah. enough to be on somebody's bench. Right. Not not one to USL, but yeah, whatever. Speaking of USL, Kempen went to San Diego Loyal. I mean, I'm, San Diego Loyal... Do you know, is that the team that landed Donovan partly owns or something? Oh, I don't know. I think it is. Or I saw, I feel like I saw something about Landon huh. Donovan owning a USL team. Huh. Maybe I'm wrong. but um. Yeah, but here's my thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. I mean, it's, it's a fourth string goalie. Like, I think Tarbell came in and won that third job, and then. If you're picking between Lampson and Kempen as a third string goalie, I think you're going to pick Lampson 100 yeah, out of 100 Lampson's times. Lampson's a locker room guy. He, we just hired because him as a of guy, yeah. I mean, his connection to the fans, connection to the city, 
connection to people in the locker room. I think your third string goalkeeper, I mean, he's basically a, a glorified coach. And I think, I mean, Lampson's a good guy to have in that role. And I think Kempen's a guy where, like, I think Lampson is content with being a third go- goalie, whereas I think Kempen, it's better for him at his point in his career to go to USL, be a starter. Maybe he'll get back to MLS as a backup one day. Yeah. All right. And then um, the other news that uh, came out is that Pipa has officially signed as a player slash coach with DC United. I know there's been a lot of uproar on this, but I mean, can you play, blame the guy for wanting to keep playing? I mean, I can't imagine being in a job where I mean, I'm, I turn 36 next week. I can't imagine thinking, okay, I'm at the end of my career. Like, why? I don't understand why people are mad at him for wanting to play somewhere else. And then, likewise, I don't know why they're mad at the crew for not wanting to keep him. I mean, I think it's best for everybody. He still gets to play a little bit. He gets to coach a little bit. Um, he still, I personally don't think he's club legend status because he didn't win us any trophies, but I know that's very controversial. <laughs> but um, but he's still one of the best players we've ever had, and I don't begrudge him anything either way. I wish him the best, except for when he plays us. I mean, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, as far as DC United, I think some people were frustrated because they view DC United as a club rival, which I think in MLS, other than yeah. FC Cincinnati, I think every fan has a different viewing on who our rivals are. Um, yeah. Personally, I started following the crew in 2013. DC United crew, there hasn't really been much right. there over the years. I've got nothing against them. So that doesn't bother me personally. If it bothers you, I, I understand it. Um, but, um, I mean, some people are saying, oh, well, we should offer him the same thing. Well, I mean, I don't think Porter's the type of guy that's just going to hand out a freebie and put a guy in his staff because fans want him to, I think. I mean, DC United obviously sees something in, 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 in him as a coach. I don't think the feeling is mutual here in Columbus because I think he yeah. would. If it was, I think he would be here. But, um. And then also, it's like, do you really want a guy who's been, like, a fixture week in, week out in our team for the last however many years? Do we really want him coming back, sitting on the bench every week, playing yeah. a couple minutes here and there? Like, I feel like to be w- I don't more really care. Like, yeah. Even if Lucas got hurt, I think I, we're much better with Pedro, Pedro. in that yep. spot than we would be with him. Um, so, I mean, it's I wish him the best. Hopefully he doesn't score against us or win DC United anything. Right. Um, and... It is kind of a weird role. Player coach, like, I haven't heard of that. Like, I mean, company did it, it with, uh, I believe, Anderlecht in Belgium. But even that kind of didn't really work. It's just, it's a weird, I don't know, it's weird. He's wasn't it Wayne Rooney, I think, tried to do the yeah, same thing? I think the reason they're doing thing. it at DC, because they're paying him 100000 I don't think the coach part counts against the salary. So that yeah. that's salary cap, I should say. So that's my understanding. I'm, I'm guessing that's why they did that. Um, anyways, we do wish him the best. There was a uh, we did do at the end of the season last year where um, Dakota did his tribute to, to Pipa. So listen back to that episode if you think that we hate him because we do not. We just have uh, Lucas, who's better. <laughs> Don't forget to use that hashtag #AskP4C or add us on Twitter at podcast. The number four CBUS. Um, we only have one question today from Rich Uncle Skeleton, who must be the only one who follows us on Twitter. Um, how many hats do you think Cadden can balance on his head at once? I'm going to say 100 million um, because he's amazing. 
Um, Which, by the way, that's probably a good jersey to get. Should I put Cadden on or Cads? No. Caddy Daddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin with that question. Um, I mean, you said a hundred million, maybe like a million, which is what uh, our asking price was to Rockford uh, to get him back. Um, but I don't know. We're, like Bartholomew in the five hundred hats I, by Dak Christmas. I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure he has good overall balance, but I'm not sure how it affects balancing hats on the head. I do like the question, though. Yeah. Well, Evan, we will continue to answer your ridiculous questions, but hopefully one of these days we get uh, a couple more serious questions. But based on Keith Nasa's tweet, there's about 3,000 um, crew podcasts, um, so we're probably um, going into oblivion here pretty soon. But we'll try our best to keep recording. All right, we're flying through the segments now. Um, this is a segment where we discuss the upcoming match, um, which is another home match at Moffray Stadium on the 14th. Oh, it's a 5 o'clock kickoff, sweet, against Real Salt Lake, which is interesting because if I had looked at that, I would have thought, okay, that must have be Real Salt Lake. Uh, it must be in Salt Lake, but um, that's pretty exciting. Uh, is there anybody... Any stars or anybody who still plays for RSL? I haven't really followed the teams in a while. Yeah, we have another club club legend returning. Justin Miram now plays for... Who? <laughs> plays for oh, Real that's Salt right. Lake. Actually, um, that was not a loaded question. I was, I was thinking Beckerman played for them. He that still team. does. Does he? Beckerman does still play. Romando, Romando. I'm not sure if he still plays for them. I don't think he does. I know he definitely isn't playing because he just recently had surgery. That was that very, um, very I think small, he's retired. Um, guy who scored a lot. Morales or... Yeah, I don't Something. think, yeah, Alfredo Morales, I think maybe, or I don't know, maybe that's a different player. I don't think he's there either. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll be honest. I've watched quite a few MLS games so far this year, but I have yet to watch an RSL yeah. game. Um, personally, I think this is a game where you really can kind of, as they say in England, lay down a marker um, of who we are as a team. I think, you know, we passed the test of beating one of the best teams in the East at home. We passed the test of going on the road and getting a point off one of the best teams in the league. I think this is where, like, the really, really good teams separate themselves from kind of, you know, your average mid-table MLS team, which is this is a team crew should be able to take care of at home, no questions asked, should be pretty easy, should be a very fun performance to watch. That's how it should be. If you look at all the, like, if you look at our aspirations and where we want to be, Look at all the teams that have been there before us the last few years. A home game, 5 o'clock kickoff against RSL has to be a win. Um, I'm going to believe that that's what they're going to do and say it's kind of our it's kind of our first game where we get to showcase who we really are as a team because the first two games have been kind of weird for various reasons. And I'm going to say that we win 3-0. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just trying to look here. It looks like they drew... Um, in their most recent game against um, the Red Bull. Um, where are they in the standings? I believe they have a guy named like Krylak who scores mm. quite a bit. But I just do we think we're gonna boo Justin Miram? I hope not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not but, a fan of the booing, but I'm also not a fan of cheering for players. I don't think he'll. Leave. I don't even. He might not even play either. Like I think he's been. Are you saying he's not? Bench. He's not a starter. I mean, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he is. I'm pretty sure he's been on the bench. And the Western Conference, RSL, is just under the line. Um, we've got Sporting Kansas City. A top of the table, tied with, well, 
they're winning a gold differential, but my Minnesota, number two, my Loons, they're doing pretty well. Very there. good with Jackson State. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked about that game coming up. But let's see, RSL, two games played, uh, two ties. I think we beat them, 2-1. Um, that's my scoreline, and I'm sticking to it. Um, for last week, we predicted, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, because the NYCFC game. We have... I know I predicted a 2-1 loss, which did not happen because we got a point. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> so in the NYCFC game, Todd predicted 3-1 crew, and the crew ended up winning 1-0. Um, Dakota predicted 3-2 crew, um, and the crew ended up winning. So both of us got a point. Cam predicted a 2-2 draw. Did not happen. Sorry. Um, so no points for Cam. Um, and then um, we all predicted crew wins, except for Cam predicted the Sounders win. So I, I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> hey, I've just predicted us to win 3-0 against ourselves. Yeah, so. I know. So at this point, I'm not really sure what to say about, I mean, how to talk about the score lead, because who cares? I mean, me and Dakota are tied for one, so there's nothing really like super special there. So here, man, we both predicted a win, though. So 3-0, man. 3-0 crew, and then I have 2-1 crew. I don't know why I have no faith in room. I feel like that seems highly inappropriate of me. I mean, I think it's... I, I don't know. I just feel like it really should be like the game where we make a statement. Because I think if, you know, if it's kind of just... If it's any win is a good win. Um, I mean, I think a draw or a loss would be extremely disappointing but i think even just another like a 1-0 win or a 2-1 win i think would be a little bit underwhelming obviously yeah. it depends on how you know we play and how we defend and how the goals happen but i just think i mean the way we played in preseason the way this team's kind of been hyped up i think we've lived up to it so far but it was two very kind of weird weird games to start off the season i think this is like a game where we should go in feeling like we are clearly the better team. And I yeah. think it's, let's see it. Let's yeah, show, I, us I agree. What, show us what we are. Yeah, I agree. Let's see. Let's get that win. Well, we're getting very, very near to the end of this podcast. But the only bit of news that I was worth discussing was um, Martinez Atlanta went down with a torn ACL. You, ACL, I'm thinking a lot, I guess. A torn ACL um, is there, I think, a season ending, correct? Yeah, well, I mean, more than likely. Like, Sucks that that happens in the first game yeah. because he is worth watching. Um, it makes it it makes it tough because people are like, oh, well, you know, haha, because we now we can win against them. I don't know. I still would like to have the best players in the league play. Um, so. It will be interesting to see how that affects the table because I think I had Atlanta winning everything previously. Oh, by the way, speaking of changing predictions, I, I want to revoke my thought of who is getting the most yellow cards and I want to change it to wormhole. Okay, so. I don't even remember what I said. I, think I don't remember I said, what I said either. I think I said Artur, yeah. which I think um, is one. I may have said Santos. I don't remember. Um, so that's basically it in the news. I was also – I'm sure you don't want to talk about the Premier League, but uh, – Southampton, I just saw an article today that may be for sale. I think that Gao has been the worst owner of a soccer team that I follow, Whoa. other than Precourt. Uh. Yes, I, he's not as bad as Precourt, but he's an absentee owner who does not give a care. 
Um, so I'm happy. I hope he sells it. So somebody has 250 million pounds, hit me up. You know, maybe we can co-join and own a team in England. That'd be pretty fun. Are EPL teams really going for that cheap? I was surprised too. So that's why I'm not sure that you read a lot of soccer media that's not necessarily true. So yeah, that seemed like a very low number to me as well. Because yeah. I mean, you're buying especially with the you're revenue. At, yeah, you're looking you're at 200 from TV. Yeah. I mean, as long as Southampton's a stable Premier League club, like that's well, uh, well should be. A, we blew all that Van Dyke money. Um, if it wasn't for that, I feel like we'd be all right. But yeah, we blew that money. I don't think anybody who we bought from yeah. are playing for us anymore. Bought from that deal. you <laughs> Yeah. So no, I think the I think the MLS expansion fee is two fifty mil, two hundred fifty million now. I feel. Something I feel insane. like it might even be three hundred for uh, the teams upcoming, Charlotte and. Oh, speaking of um, expansion teams, I think Nashville's playing today. Against um, yeah. Somebody, Portland, maybe. I don't have any charities to plug, but um, I do know that, man, so much going on in the world. It's thinking tornadoes, um, so mile high, mile high massive. Sorry about that. Music City Massive, um, thinking about you guys. Uh, let's see, they're playing the Timbers tonight at 7. Is this one of those? National TV. It's in Portland, though, so it's in Portland. So, okay. so I might check it out, um, see what Nashville um, has got, because, you know, that's coming up. On the 21st, our very own Cam, I think, is going to that game. I am not because I have other things to do, but I will watch it. Um, oh, ESPN News. Anything soccer-related? Uh, apparently, uh, Dybala just slotted home with the outside of his left boot. Um, or it was a give-and-go. I don't know, something about Juventus leading, but I think that game is played in front of an that's empty crowd worth due to the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, think that's just, yeah. I think that's just ESPN Plus trying to get me to watch Syria. <laughs> like, right where now. are you? You're not watching ESPN Plus. Which, by the way, I cannot wait for them to put. Uh, yes. Yeah. Because now that uh, Pulisic doesn't play for Fox anymore, I have to play for <laughs> Okay, we yeah. need to end this podcast. But he doesn't play for um, Dortmund anymore. Fox never, ever shows Dortmund anymore. It's I mean, really they, frustrating. They are. I feel like they're not. Most of the Bundesliga this year has been yeah. on FS2 or not on at all because yep, I they think they're just care. done with it. They're like, yep. we're losing it. So, so now we need you. <laughs> uh, UCL to go on ESPN Plus because TNT's garbage. We need garbage. every league garbage. on ESPN Plus besides the Premier League. Yeah, I, stay on NBC. I remember when NB, N, NBC had uh, MLS. They did a really awesome job. I so. just wish that we could watch um, Ohio teams on ESPN Plus. I tried to watch the Atlanta-Cincinnati oh, yeah. game yesterday and was blacked out even though I live an hour and a half away from oh, Cincinnati. I didn't even think about that. Um, and then, I mean, even for the crew, I think it's stupid that people who live an hour and a half, two hours from Columbus can't watch a game. I mean, I can watch it because I have um, Sports Time Ohio, but yeah. like, I think it's... I, th- I, I get it because they want to support the local channels that are doing the coverage and they want to get they want them to get those views um, yeah pretty much forces you to buy a subscription but it's in order just to watch. it's dumb for people who have espn plus and the game's right there but then they, i mean you can't even go back and watch it either afterwards like it's just blacked out forever it's, i don't know blackouts are annoying yeah well let's go ahead and put this thing to bed um this has been podcast for columbus um i'm todd fichtenberg at todd 33 you can find cam mckay at cam mckay 97 and Dakota Stewart was not here at Dakota Stewart, but you all know him. You all love him. Um, don't forget to use that hashtag SP4C. I'm going to edit in um, Dakota saying Vamos Columbus with a little bit of a, of a mate slurp. So um, enjoy that. And be sure to go to anchor.fm slash podcast for Columbus for all of our listening links, including Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. All right, until we'll see you next time.
Go Crew. Vamos. <risa>